0: Please be seated. So this morning we have um, a special message, one I think that, uh, well, it'll be meaningful to, uh, to any of us who have a testimony, who have a story, who have um, a past, a struggle a life. This is uh, an opportunity for you to get to know my wife, Angela, a little bit. Um, I know you know her, but you haven't heard her story. And I figure after a little over a year uh, as your pastor, it's high time you got to know my wife, Angela. you. Good morning. So I feel like I need to start off with a couple of confessions. Um, the first being, uh, this is not at all my comfort zone. Uh, I prefer to live my life well outside the center of attention, um, which might sound odd, uh, considering that on the Sundays that I'm not here, I am up on a stage at Strawbridge United Methodist Church singing in the praise team. Um, But I can tell you, from anybody who's been part of a worship team, that when you are standing in front of a congregation, you are not there putting on a performance, you are simply there worshiping. Uh, So this is, like I said, by far outside my comfort zone. Um, Something, or rather someone, compelled me to offer to give the message this fifth Sunday, and so here I am. And I appreciate in advance the grace that I know you will give me and I will undoubtedly need as you hear what I have to say this morning. Uh, my second confession would be because of my great desire to stay out of the spotlight and not live my life, or let my life play out in a fishbowl, uh, my role as a preacher's wife was a bit of a challenge to fully embrace. When Stephen decided that uh, he was going to follow this call into ministry, um, I grew up in a somewhat Catholic home, somewhat. <laughs> and the closest thing to a preacher's wife that I had in my head was a nun. Um, and so, you know, I'm far enough along in my spiritual journey now to know that that is probably the farthest thing from accurate. Uh, So when I thought of a preacher's wife, words like mild-mannered, and meek, disciplined, modest, quiet, submissive come to mind. All of these things by which I am not, not by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, As a matter of fact, I tend to be a little rebellious. Um, I do like rock music and rap music and country music and contemporary Christian music and everything in between, although you will be hard-pressed to find a hymn on my playlist. Um, I have tattoos, and I wear skinny jeans, and I have an opinion on practically everything. Uh, Just ask, or don't ask. (laughs) And if you really want to see Pastor Stephen let out a great belly laugh, then just ask him about how that whole wives submit to your husband's business is working out for him. <laughs> Since I'm not here every Sunday, I really wanted to take this opportunity to share a little bit about myself with you and my faith journey, which did not start until later in life. So here's my story. You all know the game Jenga? So Jenga is this game that starts out Uh, when it starts out it appears to be one solid block. But what it really is is several different pieces that make up this block. And the object of the game is to remove one piece at a time and stack it on the top without bringing everything crashing down. So I've always equated this game um, with life and each piece representing a different aspect of it. So there's family, and friends, and finances, and relationships, and careers, and so on and so forth. And just like the game, your everyday life is a careful balancing act where your choices and the way you treat these pieces will either bring you success or complete and utter chaos. 2002 was the start of my life getting to that chaos and about five years of struggles and just complete darkness. That year, my son, Freddie, was six years old, and his father and I were working through a divorce. As if that were were not a big enough challenge to overcome, that year I also lost a very good job. As if any of you have been through that type of struggle, you know how all-consuming things like that can be. As things began to settle down, my world was turned upside down again in 2003, when I fell through a window in an accident and nearly lost my life and my left and/or my left arm. Um, and let me tell you, there's nothing more humbling. Than having your seven year old come to see you on Mother's Day in the intensive care unit of a hospital. Recovery was a long and slow process, and learning to adjust with just one fully functioning arm was not an easy task. But Pastor Stephen can attest to my independence and stubbornness. And not to mention, I had a little boy that was relying on me, and weakness or failure was simply just not an option. 2005 was not to disappoint, though, and I found myself in an abusive relationship. Thankfully, with the love and support of family and friends, I managed to find the strength to get out of that situation before it reached the point of no return. See, previous comment about independence and stubbornness. (laughs) That year, I also went, uh, underwent an intensive surgery to repair some of the damage in my left arm and give me more use of it. That surgery was a success, but not without another long, slow journey of recovery. By far, 2007 was to be the toughest year for me. Um, in July of that year, Freddie broke his femur, of all things, and had to undergo surgery to have rods inserted in his legs so that his bones could mend. Um, As a single mom, I I couldn't afford to take the time off to stay home with him after he was released from the hospital, Uh, so he stayed with his father and his stepmother in the weeks after being released since she did not work. And they took very good care of him. But I cannot begin to describe to you the pain a mother feels of having a deep desire and the ability to take care of your sick child, but not the opportunity. The hardest part for Freddie and his recovery was starting middle school in a wheelchair but he milked it for all it was worth. I assure you of that. (laughs) He managed to weather that storm well and and bounced back incredibly. Sounds like a lot, huh? So far? There's more. Two months later, I was at a pool party at my sister's house and We happened to be in her bedroom, her and myself, and my best friend and one of her friends. Um, And I was laying on the bed. We were just kind of chatting, having girl chat, mom talk. Um, And I noticed a slight mass in my abdomen. My sister and my best friend noticed it as well. Um, I quite honestly just thought I was getting chubby. Uh, But my best friend and my sister convinced me to have that checked out. A few doctor's appointments later, and one exploratory surgery later, uh, turned out to be an ovarian tumor that was over two pounds, in addition to a smaller one that happened to be on the other side. Um, Thankfully, and by the grace of God, my situation was not as serious as it could have been. And the surgery that removed the cancer removed it completely. And no further treatment was necessary except for ongoing checks. And as scary as the word cancer is, when you're given that type of diagnosis, especially as a single mom. um, The fact that I couldn't have any more children was devastating to me. Even though at that time I was single, I was not in a relationship, and the likelihood of that happening was fairly slim to none at that point. And although I was still standing, I had a lot of empty spaces in my life. I was frustrated and hurt and harbored a a lot of unforgiveness unforgiveness for people that I felt had wronged me, and even a little bit for God, but mostly for myself. See, when you are a single parent, every bad moment that plays out in your life, regardless of whether you're to blame, also plays out in the life of your child. And I felt like I had let Freddie down and had not been the mother that he deserved. All of these things that took place in my life had become pieces, and my jangle life was no longer a solid block, but rather looked like what you see at the end of the game. You know where all the pieces are stacked on top of each other, and there are a lot of holes, and they're barely holding on to each other, teetering on the brink of collapse. 2008 came around and things in life had settled down to a dull roar. Freddie had been attending a church uh, with his dad and stepmom when he was with them and was finishing up a confirmation class. I honestly, quite honestly, didn't know what denomination this church was. Um, At the completion of the class, there's a ceremony, uh, which I was invited to. And there is one thing that Freddie will definitely confirm. It's that I have never missed an opportunity to support him and what he was or is involved in. And I still do it to this day, not just to Freddie, but to all the kids. Every karate class, baseball game, cross country or track meet, I was there. And if I wasn't there, there was a very good reason for it that just could not be helped. So of course, I went to his confirmation. And when I walked into this Methodist church, I felt an overwhelming feeling of love, acceptance, and belonging like I had not felt before, even though I only knew one other person other than Freddie and his dad and stepmom. It was so very different than any other church I had been to. And I decided at that moment that after the ceremony, I would go back the next Sunday to see how I felt. So I did and then the next week, and the next one, and the one after that. And soon I became a fixture there on Sunday mornings. And although I grew up knowing God and Jesus, I'd never been part of a church family. So this was a new thing for me, and I felt like things were looking up. It wasn't until one Sunday, when I was sitting in the service listening to Pastor uh, Ken, preach about forgiveness that I truly began what I believe is my spiritual journey at 36 years old. He was preaching about how the Bible tells us in James 5.16 that we are to confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And that when you do that, the proper response is in the name of Jesus Christ you are forgiven. Let me repeat that. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Intentional or not, he looked straight at me when he said that. And to be honest, it felt like he looked right through me to my soul, and those words hit me like a ton of bricks, and immediately I broke down. Every bad choice, every poor decision, I felt like I had made left my body with every bucket of tears that flowed from my eyes. In that instant, I realized how arrogant I had been for deciding on my own that I was not worthy of forgiveness or grace or mercy when God had decided I was worthy over 2,000 years ago. What an amazing feeling that was. And since then, I have continued to learn and grow in my faith, and I can truly say that without a doubt, it alone can move mountains. And it's not a coincidence that I felt that tug in my heart and told Pastor Stephen that I would do this on this day with these readings because of everything that I have learned on my spiritual journey For me, the single most important lesson is this. I am not alone, and I never have been. This is the promise that God gives us in our reading from Psalm 91. And I'm going to read not just the passage that we read today, but I'm going to read the whole thing, because I think it's important to hear it in its entirety. And this is the NIV version. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, The Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra, you will trample the great lion and the serpent, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him. And he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I look back on those things that I described to you, accidents, divorce, job loss, cancer. And I don't see pain, hardship, struggle or strife any longer. I see protection. I see answers and comfort and deliverance. And salvation. I can clearly see the promises of God from verses 14 through 16 kept all throughout my life and continuing each and every day. I have realized that every piece of my life, every fond memory, every challenge I have overcome, God has been there with me every step of the way. I may not have always known it in the midst of the circumstances, but I know now, without a doubt, I am never alone. He is always with me, protecting me. And God pours out love and grace and mercy and forgiveness into our lives every day. He honors his promises to us and offers redemption in our lives. I met Pastor Steven at the end of 2008, and we were married in 2010. In 2002, I lost a good job, and for 10 years, I worked at a job that resulted in being recruited for the job that I have now, today, that I absolutely love, and is not just a job, but my career. In 2003, I almost lost my arm, and a few years ago, I learned to play the bass guitar. Not great, but I play it nonetheless. And in 2007, I was told that I had cancer, and I would not be able to have any more children. Today, I have zero signs of any tumors returning. And in addition to my amazing son, I have five wonderful bonus children, four sons-in-laws, nine grandchildren. Redemption indeed. And as I look at those words again in Psalm 91, specifically the last part of that psalm, this is how I believe God intended us to read it. Because you love me, I will rescue you. I will protect you because you know my name. If you call on me, I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble and I will deliver you and honor you. I will give you a long life, and you will see my salvation. Amen. Amen. Our next Tim, you are my all in all.